0: is graffiti art or crime that's the the big debate you know where does street art sit in this discussion there's sort of a well-rehearsed argument around uh, graffiti and street art in the art and crime realm so you've got graffiti as freedom of expression and on the other side you've got graffiti as a, a transgression of property rights
1: hello i'm dallas rogers and welcome to the conversation speaking with podcast you can subscribe to these podcasts on itunes or through TuneIn radio modern graffiti is often thought of as vandalism a criminal act that has an impact upon other people's property the illegal aspect of graffiti has even been valued by some practitioners over the years as graffiti developed as a subculture associated with hip-hop music and gang culture. Graffiti, especially in the form of tagging, is seen by many as a blight on the urban environment. And many cities have adopted tough legal measures, and at times in combination with educational programs, to deter practitioners. More recently, cities have begun to value and even promote street art, effectively a legal form of graffiti. Street art is now recognised as having both a cultural and an economic value and many graffiti and street art practitioners have transitioned from quasi-criminals to legal artists. I'm speaking with Cameron McAuliffe about the relationship between graffiti and street art and the value of these art forms to the urban environment and the economies of our cities.
0: A lot of the Literature out there was saying that graffiti was all illegal and the only way it was valued was because of risk and transgression. And uh, so I started doing work on legal graffiti and legal walls in particular and I expected to only find inexperienced people involved. But instead I found some of the old school graffiti writers were doing and um, were deeply embedded in legal processes and some of them had turned away from their illegal practices. Things were changing. Uh, around graffiti and street art practice. As graffiti writers and street artists have grown up, they are going through life changes just like all of us. And so what they used to do in the past might be too risky, and it was valued as risky in the past. Now, as they grow up, they want to continue to do their practice, but they can't afford to get caught. They can't afford to go to jail. They've got wife, family, kids, job, those sorts of things. And so we're seeing graffiti writers uh, changing their practice in the city and and capturing some of those legal and formal opportunities. And we're seeing the city offering uh, opportunities uh, for those things to occur.
1: The modern form of graffiti originated in the northeast United States in the 1960s, in cities like Philadelphia and New York. It started mainly with young people writing their names on walls, and quickly evolved into a more sophisticated and then criminalised art form.
0: Graffiti, as we think about it today, which is uh, in its sort of modern context, draws its roots. A lot of people say New York, uh, say in the northeast United States, so sort of Philadelphia, New York, in uh, the late 1960s, early 1970s, and it was essentially young people who were involved in going out and writing. Names on walls, which then developed into writing more sophisticated ways on trains, particularly in in New York. And that's where we sort of see this sort of formative moment of graffiti and its spread and the way that the, the subculture grew in the 1970s. The
1: graffiti subculture made its way to Australia in the 1980s through the consumption of American pop culture. As the popularity of hip-hop, break-dancing and rap music grew, graffiti became an increasingly visible part of Australian cities.
0: During my research, I've spoken to quite a, quite a few people who are old-school graffiti writers in Australia. One, one guy here in, in Sydney tells me a story about the importance of a, a particular film clip, the Malcolm McLaren song, Buffalo Gals, came on. And here were these, you know, Malcolm Clarence, you know, sort of talking over the top, and there's rapping going on, and and there's these guys who are breakdancing, bebopping there on on the mat, and there's people in the background and they're spraying spray cans on the wall, and it's sort of the three parts that make up what we could call sort of a a hip hop subculture in general is sitting there in this film clip, and and he was there and he saw that, and he's going, okay, fine, I'm going to start doing this thing, and that's where he was influenced and a lot of people were influenced and he began there. There were also other cultural products like the book by Martha Cooper and Henry Chalfont called Subway Art, a Book of Photographs. And as we move into the late 1980s, there started to be sort of magazines that were started up uh, and these magazines became really important for not just showing people that there was this sort of graffiti on trains and graffiti on, uh, on walls as well, but what types of graffiti was there and it really showcased the types of graffiti and so you get these pages of uh, panels on the sides of trains and that sort of influenced the types of practices that were happening here in Sydney and other places in Australia.
1: The influence of American artists saw graffiti develop into an art form in Australia. But today, many cities and councils make a strong distinction between graffiti and street art. Graffiti is seen as vandalism and a crime while street art is often valued and even promoted as an art. But Cameron says this distinction is too simplistic. The two are closely interlinked and can't be easily separated.
0: There's there's a tendency now to say, you know, graffiti bad, street art good, you know, graffiti's the G word. We don't use that and and I've been doing a lot of work with local government for example and uh, and so there's a lot of Sort of tension around this idea of graffiti being completely different to street art i find that a little bit too simplistic street art as it is now is seen as being something that differs from that sort of old school graffiti it's not just about writing names on trains and it's not just about a sort of a selfish appropriation of space taking space it's about messages that have a more open and public stance it's about characters it's about art. It's about a whole range of different things that are are being incorporated under this banner of street art. But for me, graffiti and street art have this sort of lots of crossovers that mean it's very difficult to separate them. And so the way I look at it, particularly from a policy perspective, is I say, okay, well, it's graffiti and street art, and they come from a a core of what we can call graffiti practice. And the two common elements between graffiti and street art are that they're both ephemeral, uh, as opposed to other forms of Art in public space, a lot of other forms, they're, they're ephemeral, they don't last, they're not meant to last, but also they draw their history from that sort of practice in the North United States. So that's the, the things that I see bring them together. When you're talking about how people think about, the, the actual practitioners think about uh, graffiti and street art. Uh, They're often um, positioning themselves within graffiti subculture or as a practicing street artist. But many of them move between practices and so they might be talking to local government about doing a mural or street art, whilst when they're talking to um, other people in the graffiti subculture they might say they're they're doing graffiti, they might work with different people and so their practice changes and so it's not so simple.
1: As graffiti has evolved beyond the simple tagging of names on walls, there has been a long and ongoing debate about whether graffiti is a crime or whether it's an art.
0: Is graffiti art or crime? That's the uh, the big debate, you know, you know, where does street art sit in this discussion? And this is a discussion that's been going on for a long time. One thing that's happened with graffiti uh, back in the 1970s, when was being practised in the absence of sort of strong laws against graffiti, there it wasn't necessarily seen as a destructive thing or associated to crime necessarily. But as time has gone on, we've criminalised the practice of graffiti and seen it as being sort of antithetical to the ideas of, say, property rights. And as that's happened, then we've we've really sort of aligned graffiti practice with crime through ideas like the broken windows idea that says that you know small transgressions uh, will lead to larger transgressions and so graffiti is figured as a a gateway crime a crime that will take you somewhere where these small civic infractions will turn into worse and worse uh, disorder and, and criminal activity however that's actually not the way that I would be positioning graffiti graffiti, whilst there are often elements that in the past particularly have been associated in different places in different ways uh, with youth gang culture or, or transgression that's led to other criminal activity, particularly with the rise of street art and its association with culture and art and interventions in public space, it'd be very difficult now to say that People who are doing graffiti and street art are about to go and start, you know, doing larger scale crimes and that these people are a genuine problem. The the infraction on property rights, though, remains. And so people do get really tense when people, you know, write something on their letterbox. It's not allowed. And so there's definitely these associations with crime that cause the art and crime divide. In the past, governments
1: responded to graffiti by enacting policies that focused on removal and prevention. But today, some governments are starting to look at graffiti and street art differently. Some are searching for a middle ground between graffiti as a crime and graffiti as an artistic expression.
0: There's sort of a well-rehearsed argument around graffiti and street art in the art and crime realm. So you've got, on the one side, you've got graffiti as freedom of expression. And on the other side, you've got graffiti as a transgression of property rights. For a long time, this has been the way that policy has dealt with it. And so policy in the past has been about removal, purely about removal, and has ignored the discussion around freedom of expression because it's all about the, the fact that they're writing on someone's wall without permission, or writing on a train without permission. But in the present, there's been more attempts to try and find that middle ground in between and to try and work out... Some of the ways that different ways we think about graffiti and street art contribute to you know, the location where it exists, so the local area, for example. And that really aligns quite well with sort of shifts in the way that cities are thinking about their economy, uh, community building, uh, and culture. Cameron says the shift in
1: how cities think about their economy community and culture is partly driven by changes in the broader macroeconomics of urban centres. Governments, needing to replace their decreasing manufacturing economies, have turned to cultural products, including street art, as a way of recognising both the cultural and economic value of creative economies.
0: We see the rise of street art uh, and a lot of people think, well, okay, um, this is just the natural development of an art form uh, or a natural development of a practice. Uh, the way I see it is, is actually that there's more than just the fact that people are getting better at this and are looking for different ways of doing it. It's, it's actually, on the one hand, you've got graffiti writers that are, have grown up and in the past were, were doing things that they didn't think uh, fitted in with a, a broader cultural acceptance, but they had their subcultural context within which they were working. Now there's more uh, appreciation of the complex sort of ways that it's valued by different people in the community, by different people in different places. At the same time, we have a change in, uh, if you like, uh, the broader macro economy of cities that's been influential as well. And for me, it's been about processes of deindustrialization and the idea that governments are looking for something to replace the manufacturing economy. And we've really started to in- invest in trying to understand the values of, of culture and contribution of culture and creativity to our economies. So I see state, local, federal governments all sort of looking for ways of valuing culture and incorporating that value within the way that they think about the broader economy. And here we have people who are putting messages up on walls that people are coming and taking photos of. That are contributing to the way that places are activated, that are helping to make community. And these processes are starting to be captured by governments at different levels and be recognised by governments at different levels as a different way, a revaluing of the practice of graffiti and street art.
1: The recognition that street art and other creative products have economic value has highlighted the importance of cultural products and cultural events. And for many cities, culture has become a central part of their strategic and urban planning visions.
0: This idea that there is a contribution of creativity to the economy, that that, that people who are creative are an important key players within, within the economy, uh, means that it brings culture to the center of discussions. And we see this in the way that cultural planning processes have taken place within many of the cities of Australia. How over the last 15, 20 years, there's been a real effort to bring cultural planning right into the center of strategic planning and urban planning and use that as a way of thinking about where we wanna be in 20 years time, where we wanna be in 30 years time, about the types of communities that we're creating. And within that context, there's ways and opportunities that are being placed in front of graffiti writers and street artists. And they're capturing those opportunities and and, and running with them. And so we're seeing funded mural projects, legal legal graffiti and street art projects. We're seeing festival events based around including graffiti and street art. We're seeing these things um, gaining more traction in not just um, a broad pop cultural sense or within an arts community, but also at the core of of cultural planning in, in local government.
1: Thank you for listening to this Speaking With podcast. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast series on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. And if you like this podcast or the Speaking With series, please leave us a review on iTunes.